Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 179, Three Types of Shame and Why They Matter. Yes, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. I'm not going to shame you for how you did that intro because it was you. so good and shame's <laughs> terrible. But is it all terrible? We'll talk about that today. But on this podcast, this is where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And I am your host, Lori Krieg. And I have alongside me my favorite licensed therapist and Argyle aficionado, my husband, Matt Krieg. Hi. Matt, you have a new title aficionado, for season yes. five, y'all. Welcome to season five, Matt. Thank you. Five, wow. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> that didn't sound genuine. <laughs> People, you need to know something. I don't get very excited often. <laughs> no, he doesn't. If Matt like cracks a smile, I was like, wow, he is very excited. Uh, but I know that it's genuine. Okay, so you are genuinely excited about season five, but it's not going to be the loudest uh, rah, rah, rah. Steve, let's see your rah, rah, rah. We do have with us the ever faithful and most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hey, hey there. I don't know. Hey, yo. You made me laugh as I was, as I was saying hi. So, um, hi guys. How excited are you? It's season five, season cinco. Season cinco. I'm so excited about it. Never did I ever (laughs) think we'd be season five, but I'm so grateful we are. Matt, you want to try again with your excitement? (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! <laughs> okay, guys, I am Ooh, so I'm excited. Out of, I'm out of energy now. <laughs> to dive into the first episode behind the scenes. We've actually recorded ones after this already, and they're so good. I can't wait for you guys uh, to meet some of our new friends. Uh, but today, we get to talk to an old friend, Matt Krieg, about the three types of shame and why they matter. This is something that we have been training Everyone, I think everywhere we go, Matt, lately we've been talking about this and we've been trying to incorporate this sort of conversation in our own home. So we are excited to share it with you all. But before we dive in, a couple of back of the house things. We have a new resource. Uh, it's called 14 Days to Unstick Your Stuck Marriage. Matt, what do you? what's the joke you want to say? I, I'm not going to say it. Say it. No. Say it. No. <laughs> 14 days to unsuck your marriage? Oh, no. Okay, this... <laughs> oh, boy. This resource, you guys, it's 10 bucks. It's on lauricreek.com slash shop. And uh, it is, if you guys have read our book, Impossible Marriage, and you remember uh, it, when I came back after deciding to stay in our marriage, I made a list of 12 things that I was going to commit to. So I was all in, but I needed some tangible things to do, Uh, not just to have this, yes, I'm all in, now what? Pray more? I don't know. So I took those 12 things I committed to, which included exercising, get them endorphins. It included um, short prayers. It included just even a mindset of how I thought about our marriage. Uh, Matt and I wrote this resource. It's very short, it's a devotional style. It went from 12 decisions I made or 12 things to 14 because we did want to put some of the meat of the conversation about what's marriage about. That's in the very beginning because uh, that was very important to us too. So you can check that out uh, for if you're married or thinking about it or if you've got a married friend who maybe could use a little pick-me-up. It's 10 bucks, lauricreek.com slash shop. Okay, season five, guys. Some more back-of-the-house things. Uh, R.I.P. Q-O-T-W. <laughs> Do you know what that means? Rest in peace, question of the week. Yeah, question of the week. 
is out for this season. We're just going to try it out. I really, we've gotten some feedback from y'all over the years. Remember back in the day, remember Goofball Island? Oh, yeah. Some of you loved it. Some of you hated it. We nixed it. And now, question of the week, even though we love hearing from you, uh, the listener, and having your voice on our uh, podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You guys are always welcome to reach out to us. We've got a contact link on our site. But we really want to be able to use the guests that we interview and all, all pieces of especially what they've been working on in that season. I like knowing random facts, but for now, we're just going to cut it. If you have strong feelings about that, Feel free to email me, but (laughs) this is the plan for now, guys. Okay, just in honor of question of the week, and just so people can kind of get a little, you know, we've done the last 10 episodes. If you've been sticking with us over the summer, we've done uh, the take two. So we've been looking back at some of the most listened to, some of the favorites of y'all's and some of our ones that have stuck out to us in our minds. We've been doing that for the last 10 episodes. Uh, so in order to kind of catch people up where you're at, I would love to just hear from you, Matt and Steve, which was another bit of feedback we got from the last season is they want, they want more Matt and Steve. Uh, so we're going to start with Matt and we're going to hear what was a highlight or, and a low light of your summer. So I, I think for me, the highlight and the low light are actually kind of tied together in the sense that the highlight was how proud of you, Lori Krieg, I am and was with you going to Wheaton oh. and, and just hearing the joy that you had of being there and, and being able to meet and hang out with some cool people and, and just being a part of that program. But then the low light was in that I also missed you greatly and really was glad to see you come home. Hmm. Thank you, Matt. You've been such a big supporter of that. There's been moments where people are like, but is Matt actually really mad? And is really mad that you're going. And I go for uh, twice a year to intensives. And then Matt just steps right in those conversations and he's like, nope, I'm really proud of her. So thanks, Matt. Steve Odell. Uh, well, um, you put me on the spot. Uh, my summer feels like a blur. Uh, but I will say, I think the high was my wife and I were able to get away for like a couple of days for our anniversary. It was our 29th anniversary this year. And it's like, you know, it's one of those where you're like, well, it's not 30. So, you know, like you kind of downplay it. Like next year, we'll really put a lot of work and effort into something special. Uh, but we're like, no, no, it's our anniversary. So we got, you know, we just went to a bed and breakfast, you know, like over close to the lake. And that was just nice to get away. Um, it rained. So that's the low. <laughs> yeah, right. There it is. <laughs> but we still had a great time. We're able to, you know, go out and have a nice dinner. And I love so, that. Yeah. You guys are so great. So that was the high end low. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could probably think of more lows, but. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we won't put you that much on the spot, Steve. Uh, for me, high and low, um, I did love Wheaton. It was so fun to be in a room with a bunch of other women who are studying theology. Uh, it was great. Uh, but honestly, a big highlighted thing I'm going to take away from the summer is Matt and I, maybe especially me, for two months of the summer, our hearts were in a posture of confession about getting convicted about how we're using our time. We are so busy. It's too busy. And uh, missing our kids in a lot of ways. And I think um, I've drank in a lot of the world's lies that you can just have it all and they're without any consequences of time. And so 
honestly, we spent some time like just confessing about how we have missed our kids in certain spots. And I know we're not like, and now we're going to be the perfect parents and they're never going to need therapy. No, we already know that ain't true. Um, they're going to need God. But I'm just thankful for seeds that that couple months of confession and really planted in our hearts. Was that important to you too, Matt? Yeah, and I mean, honestly, just that's full disclosure, something we're still working through, especially now with like back to school and everything. It just, there's so much time that feels like we don't have. Yeah. You know, where, or at least for, I feel that deeply because I'm often with clients in the evenings and so missing out on my kids' lives and, and just really working to, to try and shift to make that not the case. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so I mean, it's highly, highly important for us. And um, they're just the most important to us disciples we're ever going to make. Mm-hmm. So that, I'm just thankful for that conviction. So it's not like we're not quitting anything or not, mm-hmm. it's just, it was a heart shift that um, hopefully will keep leading to some practical shifts. Yeah. Okay, we are not going to uh, do now. So this season, back back to how this season's going to shape out, uh, the gospel good news story. So for those of you who are new listeners, we've asked every guest this question. If the gospel is I'm more loved than I imagine and yet more sinful than I believe, when was the gospel first good news for you and how is it still? We're still going to ask that question, guys. We're not going to answer it uh, today, the three of us, Um, but we'll let you know that that question is going to keep on going and the gospel is still good news for us. But you guys are also going to hear, you the listeners, there's a new question that I'm going to be asking everyone at the end. So we're going to keep starting with this one. And then at the end, I'm going to be asking, why is Jesus worth following? In your field, probably we'll have that mindset of whatever the person's field is, even now in 2021. And the reason that we um, are really focusing on those two questions to bookend it is, I don't know if anyone else has noticed how stinking hard life is. Like it's so with COVID and then the burnout and then all of a sudden it's like 2021, nobody does to wear masks and we're all fine and everything's fine. Isn't it fine? Aren't you fine? And everyone's like, no, I'm exhausted. We've all been through trauma. And what are you saying? Stop. I need a three year vacation. So I, I don't want that to be a rah, rah, rah. I want that to be like, help us understand in your worldview, dear guest, why that is still true. Okay. So now we are going to dive into the meaty meat, the heart of the matter with Matt Krieg, and we're going to be talking about shame, three types of shame, why they matter. Matt, what is shame, and how often do you see it in your counseling office? Well, shame is something that I see, I mean, every day. I feel like every single person that I work with has has some level of shame, and, and honestly, like, when, when we're talking about the three types, I don't know that I can adequately define them as a group, because they are very different. Mm. Um, but, but most often when people think of shame, they're going to think of kind of that universal feeling that you carry along with you that I am worth less than maybe the people around me or I'm, I've done something that makes me irreparable or, or broken or, you know, tainted. Hmm. Um, that's, that's most often what people will think of when they think of shame. So you see it every day with your clients. Mm-hmm. It's this kind of icky, sticky feeling of ugh, I don't really like myself. I'm not really worth much. Okay, what are the three types of shame 
And you guys, if you are new listeners, we are often talking about and uh, teaching, Matt and I are teaching in different churches, different ministries, situations, families, et cetera, uh, how the church can engage the LGBT conversation or sexuality and gender conversation or marriage conversation while holding to an orthodox traditional point of view. So what are the three types and uh, generally then we'll dive into each one and why are they important to this conversation this this conversation just historically has been laden with a lot of shame still is with with individuals with families there's a lot of shame associated with it and and you know culture is changing especially with with younger kids coming coming up in the culture that we live in like they might themselves carry less shame over it they may be more open they might be more communicative um but oftentimes the family members are are still dealing with it so i mean there's just shame all all over this conversation and i feel like unless we can adequately talk about it and and that is one of the keys talk about it not just scream at each other not keep it silent like talk about it like we're mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to deal yep with with any of the real life stuff that's happening you know kind of kind of underneath the shame that's being covered by this layer of shame so good i am gonna jump in with so usually when we teach i'm like this is actually where i jump in so i'm gonna interview myself Lori. why is it important well thanks for asking Lori. uh but what uh i usually say and i believe this is so let's say a kid comes out 10 11 young boy he goes to his pastor and he says to his pastor i am gay now this pastor said now and he has his head down and he hates himself and this pastor says well you know it's a sin right the amount of times i've heard that like literal exact situation whether it's pastor or a parent or you know you're or it's an abomination right uh, and the kid does hear you are an abomination so w- we need to unpack not just what is the pastor saying and what do they mean but the layers of shame that are going on there i think pastors parents friends anyone who wants to engage this conversation needs to understand the layers of shame to be able to adequately and kindly respond to someone who comes out to them so we'll we'll go back to that same scenario but we're going to start talking about the different layers of shame and, and how they might play into that scenario so the first one is what Matt was the first shame layer. The first layer is is what we call toxic shame. Toxic shame. Yeah, and it's it's this feeling of just pervasive kind of self-hate. It's it's whole body. Whole body <laughs> like who I am is worthless. You know, it's an identity statement. Um, and it's honestly it's it's something that is not just based on like what I've done. It's it's like something you carry with you. Um, it's from the enemy honestly (laughs) like he wants us to feel like we are worth less Mm. um and it happens before during after whether or not we even sin it's not it's not it's not tied to sin at all it's tied to just your identity so this 13 year old boy or whatever i said we'll call him 13 comes to his pastor head hanging low feels this whole body self-hatred and let's say he's not even looked at porn if he's a lusted at all he's like confessed it right away so he goes and he's like i am worthless head down that's how i went the first person i ever came out to that's all i could say to her i didn't say i'm worthless but i kept saying over and over i suck i suck and she said is that 
your name or is that really what she was saying? Is that who you are? And I did feel that way because I felt this temptation. I felt like I was terrible. So the pastor, the parent, the friend, the person who's walking with this, we would do well to understand that's not of the Lord. And again, what you said too, Matt, that's so important, whether or not they sinned. So there's no need, you don't need to be feeling this sort of heaviness. Now, the heaviness, the icky sticky feeling, the world would come in and say, you just need to go find a boyfriend, stop talking to this pastor, that will solve all your issues uh, with this. Just go be free, be who you are. But there's another layer of shame that we need to be aware of, which maybe we don't call shame. We call it something else, Matt. What is it? Uh, we could call it guilt, you know, and that's because the guilt is a pinprick. It's something that you feel um, only after doing something wrong, after sin. Um, and it's this statement that, okay, what I have done was not worth it. it it's, it's this conviction, honestly, from God to to identify, okay, the places where we have sinned in our life. And so it's not an identity statement, but it is a, 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 a guilt for the action that was committed or the, the thought or, you know, that. So let's go back to 13-year-old boy in the office. Now, actually, before I go there, just to restate, you said pinprick versus whole body self-hate. Mm -hmm. So the visual that I get is the enemy, if I feel like the enemy is taking the back of my head and shoving it in maybe things I've done and just my whole self, just shoving it in the dirt, that's toxic shame. The Holy Spirit guilt or conviction is like a pointing to one place in your heart and saying, this dear one, what you did was not worth it. So Satan, who mm -hmm. you are is worthless. Holy Spirit, what you did was not worth it. So back to the 13-year-old boy with the pastor. The pastor, I'm gay. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. That must have been really hard to say. How are you feeling right now? I hate myself so much. Can you help me understand, like, are, are you, do you have, like, and, and this would maybe be over a while of conversation, but when I have people come to me head hanging low, you know, maybe they made a bad choice with someone of the opposite sex or the same sex, I, I try and... Or it's not something sexual. Or it's, that's also an option. <laughs> I just walk with a lot of people wrestling with sexuality. Or it's not something sexual. Uh, I am always like, okay, I try and catch their eye, which that is such an antidote to shame. We're going to interview Kurt Thompson uh, soon, and I just finished his latest book that's coming out at the beginning of October. Go pre-order it. It's amazing. But he talks about how the antidote to shame is being seen in our mess and loved in our mess. So I'm always trying to catch their eye, and I would say, so did you, what did you do? Did you look at porn? Did you, and it's not, what did you do? It's, what, what happened? Well, I made this bad choice. All right, do you want to confess it with me? God wants to wipe that away. And it can be this like joyful thing. It doesn't have to be this, it, it shouldn't be this, you're worthless thing. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, it's nothing, which that's gonna be the third layer of shame that we're gonna talk about. But it can be, well, do you wanna confess that and bring it to the Lord right now? Yeah, and then, okay, they confess it. All right, well, 
do you want to, what else do you want to talk about? We don't have to, just because we are tempted toward things or we even we've sinned, we don't have to hate ourselves, guys. We can confess and be free. And so that pastor, well, what did you do? What did you, what was the actual sin you did? Just because they're tempted toward attraction to the same sex, that doesn't make them an aberration, an abomination. It's in Leviticus 18, uh, where that abomination word comes from. It's the words there in the Hebrew are the act of man lying with man. It's not the temptation. Uh, it's the action, whether in our minds, according to Matthew 5, so for lusting, or for acting. Yeah. Well, and if I can jump in, because Please. this is something that, I mean, specifically with the, the LGBT conversation, like I've had people, grown, grown adults, you know, in my office that have been told, like, maybe by a small group leader who knows their story and has like been like, hey, I can walk alongside you in this, like I'm okay. But then it's like they get into these times of maybe active temptation where they're seeing someone that that is like catching their eye and they're not pursuing it but they're wrestling yeah and and they've been told like hey man keep things pretty vague or or whatever don't don't actually go in there because it might make other people in the small group feel gross or whatever and don't say the pronouns don't yeah, say don't don't pretend it's a heterosexual like attraction or whatever Ugh. and it's just like you're kidding me because if if i could walk in to a small group and say, man, I've been really struggling with, with my thoughts or I saw someone and they just caught my eye and I just haven't, you know, I've been wrestling with it. Like that is something that I could freely say and everyone in the small group and, you know, that men's group or whatever would be like, hey man, we've, we've been there, we still love you. And hopefully would then turn and point my heart toward, hey, what, what was it that you were truly longing for? not just a, you know, a sexualized thing. Like what was the good longing of your heart to be seen, to be known, that to be loved? Underneath you know? it. Yeah, underneath it. You know, yet for some reason when it comes to same sex attractions, you know, it, it's something where it's been just met with this idea that no, you can't, you can't share that because that's gross and people won't understand and we have to protect the group as opposed to actually allowing you to be known and it's so damaging so damaging and can i add in um i'm we're kurt thompson super fans around here i think we're interviewing him for the fourth time this season but i just finished his book his new one that i just alluded to it's called the soul of desire and i keep thinking about matt exactly what you just said and how we are so fighting for space for lgbt people including myself uh, to be able to speak in my own small group in my church about what I'm wrestling with, with not feeling shame about the pronoun. And so the brain research behind it, which Matt, you already knew this, I, I'm just still learning, is shame uh, when we feel shame. So let's say you're like, no, you can't say that here. So all of a sudden your head's turned down, you look away, you start feeling bad about yourself. Did you all know that that fragments your brain? Like it literally, you start to go offline. Shame does that to your brain. And you can go, if it goes to the extreme, it starts to, you go to your reptilian brain or like the base, you know, where you're like curled up in sort of a fetal position, like a, like a child, like you can't even do anything. So if we think about suicide stats of LGBT people, how much of that, the extra two to four times more likely is because they simply can't talk about it with people. 
Whereas, do you know what integrates your brain, which Matt, if you were to come forward with your heterosexual temptation, what helps part of your healing, literally, your brain starts to rewire and reintegrate and heal when, especially in your lowest, most embarrassing messes, you are seen and loved by a group. So, we should not hide our faces when our friends who don't struggle with the same issues we do want to be able to be safe and say it. Our very act of presence is a healing balm for their minds. But godly shame, Matt. We came up with that phrase, as far as I understand. Uh, but when we were writing our book, An Impossible Marriage, I actually got some feedback from editors and others who were reading it because I had only had toxic shame and guilt, mm -hmm. or just shame and guilt. And they said, talk to me about 1 Corinthians 6, 5, where Paul says, I say this to shame you. Or uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 10, this doesn't use the word shame, but it kind of feels shamey, that we, that we need this godly sorrow that leads to repentance. What's godly shame, Matt? Yeah, so, so godly shame is, is kind of this, this feeling of the weight of the wrong that we've committed. Even after maybe we've confessed it, even after we've been forgiven, we can still carry the weight of, of that with us forward so that we don't repeat it, so that we don't just go back to it. I know I've felt that just with my, my struggles in coming clean from pornography addiction and just like, I don't want to go back there. That is one of the primary things that keeps me from just like turning back to the filth is like, I don't wanna be that, that covered in shame, hiding person anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there is something to this, and this is something from God. It is a godly sorrow, a godly shame, maybe a godly conviction if we don't wanna like mess with, you know, all the other Kurt Thompson followers' minds like. Just using shame at all. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're saying the word shame, but yeah, very meaning, very different things. Um, and it, yeah, again, it only happens after we have sinned. It's not something that we've, we've carried with us about our identity, but it is something that we carry forward. Mm -hmm. So it, unlike guilt, it's not confined to that time, but it is something that, that we carry forward that, that hopefully keeps us from turning back to that, mm -hmm. to that space. You, you said, you know, when we first started this, this episode, like what we've been wrestling with, with like our kids and our time use, like how do we steward our time? Now as parents, parenting is one of those things that man, there's a ton of shame. Yeah. over like how good of a parent you are, especially, and I'm going to speak stereotypically, especially moms. Yeah. There's this high, high, high expectation to be perfect. Yep. You know, and, and while I don't feel like in this particular thing in our life, like I don't feel like I've carried a bunch of shame with it. I don't feel like I'm worthless. I'm still looking at myself like, you know what? I'm a decent dad, you know, but there is that conviction that we've gone through and there is this weight that I want to carry with me. You know, that when someone reaches out and says, hey, do you have anything after work available? And I'm like, well, I could. but I don't want like my immediate kind of knee jerk of I want to help this person to outweigh the fact that there is a cost yep. to that decision and to carry the weight of the time lost with my kids and to keep that in the forefront is something that's going to help me to have healthy boundaries. I'm so glad you brought that up, that example, Matt, from the beginning, because as I'm thinking about like two months, you guys were like confessing for two months and you could kind of get a picture of like, were you like slicing your wrists for two months? 
No, it was just like the Lord just kept waking us up to ways that we missed our kids, missed them, like missed their eyes, missed these moments with them. And I did have to fight though, Matt, what you just said, because I'd be like, you'd hear me. I'd be like, oh, I'm the worst mom. And then I'd be like, stop it. Because I, I hadn't, you know, read this, this latest book yet, but I had a sense that's only going to spiral me in this shame storm and not that I need to perform my way out of it. And then I won't be a good mom and I need to be a good mom because that's my identity. It was like, stop, let the conviction burn you, burn off how you've sinned or you've gotten your identity from performing at work. Here I am being vulnerable <laughs> podcast, which is work. Uh, but honestly, okay, Lori, let's confess that and how you keep running to get your identity in a way easier place, which is accolades at work, rather than potty training your two-year-old forever. (laughs) Or (laughs) working through a tantrum. Guys, it's not fun. We do not get gold stars. We get, we just give a lot. And, um, but I had to fight that. We had to fight that. Okay, but you just said moms especially, but okay, this is probably a whole other podcast, but where can, is it Matt true? We've talked about this, where women can feel inadequate usually at home if God, you know, whatever your home life is, whether it's, you know, married or single, whether you have Chip and JoJo's house or whatever, or with your kids, but where you can get more insecure is where? At work. At work, yeah. Yeah. Where I can be like, I'm doing all right. Where, where it's, what's mm-hmm. your work default? Oh, yeah. My work default is that I should probably be doing more or I'm not doing good enough or I am failing, mm. you know, and, and that's, that's something that I don't know that we can generalize out to, to everyone, no. you know, but I know that for our, for our relationship, yeah, you carry the shame a lot more easily at home, um, whereas I'm like, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm a good dad. I was like, I don't know if I ever I know think my I'm kids a good names. mom. <laughs> <laughs> does one t- that's like so many memes dads do one task at home seven years of compliments he expects or something like that okay can you for work and i know men and women listening can relate to this and what you just said like feeling like you're failing at work i can totally relate to that as a woman and even in this very conversation but can you apply the shame conversation we just had to your work life yeah i mean it might take me a little bit but I guess the shame that I would feel if I was going to say this kind of universal I am statement is I am not a good enough provider Mm. that because that is that is my motivation for work. I'm also prone to sloth as a nine on the Enneagram. Um, But my, my motivation for work is to provide for my family. And so if if I'm looking and saying I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough, um, that would that would kind of lead to this. I'm, I'm not a good enough provider Which for is, the family. Okay, now I'm going to combine other things. If you guys haven't heard us talk about core needs, go back to the core needs episodes. I think that was season three. Okay, what is the need under there? Is it the purpose need? Like, do you want to provide so that you feel like you have purpose or that you are have, like you're desirable or you're loved or you're affirmed? What's the like need underneath that that drives you there? I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's a failure. It feels like a failure of purpose, like that I'm not living up to my purpose as the provider, as as a husband. 
Um, you know, and so being able to, to provide for the family would be something where I could, I, I maybe feel like once I get there, I could rest. Mm-hmm. Like I could rest and, and know like I'd done a good job. Um, and so it, it kind of drives me toward, I, I guess, toward rest through purpose, which is a weird, a weird avenue, I guess. Okay, let's, let's land the plane here with what you just said, Matt, and then maybe I'll come back to one of my issues, my, my mom, mom issues, which feels so normal. It's not like a fun and different one, but hopefully is relatable to people who maybe just feel inadequate in their home life, parent life, uh, relationship life. Um, so what's the ideal for you, Matt? Like, has there been, what's the ideal work heart for you that's neither I'm good because I'm achieving which honestly that's just idolatry mm-hmm. uh, nor is it I'm bad because I'm or I'm full of shame because I'm not achieving like what's the ideal work heart I feel like the the ideal work heart for me is is I can do this because God has given me this purpose for this individual in this hour you know, for this, this person that he has given me a, an ability to speak into this life. Um, and to, to know where that, that boundary lies, where, where I'm not their savior. I am, I am just a, hopefully a guide, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a mentor, a helping them find the path to God. But then also to know like when, when it's time to, to set that aside and to, to, to go be a dad instead of saying yes to, to every person mm-hmm. that, that asks for help. So I'm hearing in that you combat shame in your work world by, again, this is so basic, but rooting your identity and your value in Jesus, and then your work becomes fruit. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah. And that combats toxic shame for you. A feeling of I am worthless. Yeah, because I'm, I'm no longer having to, to work to earn either, either like to be seen by the person as like, oh my goodness, you saved my life. Or also not having to work because I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not doing enough and I need to provide better for my family. Mm-hmm. It's just, God has called me to this. And I would answer that same question, like how do I, what's the ideal relationship, <laughs> home, mom, wife, heart, that's a lot. And so I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm, I see you single friends in your relationships and in your homes and like trying to have the Insta perfect life. I'm trying to think about how do I combat shame? It's totally that. It's like picturing my feet as roots and starting my day and throughout my day picturing just soaking them in the overabundance of God's love for me as I am even as I fail because it's not like well it's it's not like well no you are a masterpiece true I know I see you Psalm 139 but in my in and of myself I'm not perfect and I know it and no matter how insta perfect my life can look it isn't. And so if I soak my feet in the love of God and root myself there and just be present, 
and just be present with where my house is a mess if my kids are playing with sand um then whether or not i'm a quote-unquote good friend good wife good mom doesn't matter it's just like you just said it's just fruit i don't have to earn it okay well this shame conversation (laughs) took a shockingly lively happy turn okay before we close matt why is jesus worth following even now in 2021 as i say this i i'm like also like reminding myself of it this is not this is not easy for me mm-hmm. um when jesus says come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened for my yoke is easy and my burden is light like my my default in 2021 has been not my word of the year which has been play but strive Mm. strive 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 and and so if i am not following jesus if i'm not listening to him i'm gonna burn myself out yep and and i'm gonna miss what is really important and i'm gonna miss him so yeah for me in in the midst of this (laughs) this world that we live in full of hurt and full of pain where everyone seems like they need a lot of help myself included it's good to have jesus who is saying i'm not putting I'm not putting that pressure on you. Mm. And I want you to rest in me. Mm. So good, Matt. Steve, what would you say to this question? Um, Yeah, you know, um, right along with what Matt is saying, you know, uh, Jesus said in that same conversation about himself, I am gentle and lowly. Mm. Um, And I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, It's one of the few places you see in the Gospels Jesus kind of saying something about himself like that. And um, like he, you're never going to find someone more for you. Mm. You're never gonna find someone who loves you so perfectly. Um, And who got down on our level, came down to where we were. he scorned the shame I and mean, the conversation we're having today about shame, you know, like it was worth it to him to get down here. So I don't, I don't think of that often enough, but when I'm reminded of that, uh, when I am, you know, feeling just like the difficulty of this last year and a half, um, I can look to him and I can look to the cross and be like, there's nothing that you're asking me to do that you didn't do first. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's what comes to my mind. So good. How I would answer this question. Why is Jesus worth following? Even now in 2021, I think honestly, I need to learn this another and deeper layer. I, I, I think I, in the last year and a half of just running, 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 like gasping for breath, um, I, I started to misview God's heart and his eyes for me. And I think I've seen him as more of like a slave driver than a, what you guys are describing, like the lover of your soul and gentle and lowly. And I know in my mind that's not true, 
But I'm not going to lie, guys. I, I'm I'm on a journey. I'm sticking with Jesus. Our marriage is fine. Everything's fine. It's just like in my heart, my commitment's there. I I just want to understand and, and like maybe it's like maybe 2020, I got in a very slow, we all got in a very slow car accident and all the windows shattered and I'm like walking away from it and everyone's like, now go run a marathon. And I'm like, I have like glass in my eyes. <laughs> I want to pick out all the shrapnel that I think I just started misbelieving over the last couple of years or year and a half. So why is he worth following? I know in my mind and deep in my spirit, and there's moments where like, I really know it's true, but I, I gotta, I think I gotta recover a bit from the car accident. Um, and if you guys can relate, speaking of removing shame, so that was pretty vulnerable. <laughs> if you guys can relate to that, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can hit us up on our contact form. You can actually just find me on Instagram or email me. I can't promise an email back because I told you I was so tired. But LK at LoriCreek.com. It would be really meaningful um, if you guys can relate to the car accident. Can you guys relate just before Matt Craig, Steve O'Dell? I mean, yeah. And and you know the the backstory. You've seen me at my worst times when I'm getting home just drained. And I'm like, I don't have anything left. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, when I say his yoke is easy, his burden is light, like, as I said, I need to remind myself of that. That's yeah. not an easy thing to believe right now. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like that description. I hadn't thought of it that way. I, I have been, I feel like, at uh, many times in the last months just kind of like a zombie. Yeah. You know, just kind uh-huh. of like going through the motions. Yep. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. A very slow car accident. Let me know if you guys can relate. <laughs> Shrapnel in your eyeball. Okay, guys, now I'm gonna sound like back on the performance train, but here I am. Uh, we did write that devotional and our heart is is in there. Um, and you guys, here's a little side note. You can buy it from our site, but if you wanna just download a PDF of it, not in the fancy color version, you can go to innervarsity.com.org, I think.com and uh, search for uh, impossible marriage that's the book we wrote and on the right hand column there you can download it for free so if you guys are like I don't got no 10 bucks Lori just go get it for free we really want to help y'all out so it's 14 days to unstick not your sassy version Matt <laughs> unstick your stuck marriage thank you again actually didn't say even it the first time but thank you Matt Krieg and Steve Odell for being on the show with us today Thanks for letting me still hang out with you guys. We love you lots, Steve. Matt, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For thanking me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Okay, guys. For all of us here at the Old My Heart Podcast, we will see you next week. Bye.